Hello, fellow planeswalkers, and welcome to Into the Ether Vortex. My name's Ninja Boy, your guide into all the different ways you can enjoy Magic the Gathering and how they all come together into something wild, wacky, and a little bit magical. Happy Halloween weekend, everyone. We're already in the Crimson Vow spoilers this week with a new set releasing next weekend. Uh, before we get to that episode next month, though, about other distance, I want to add that I say I'm going to add to my EDH decks that I haven't gotten around to yet. Uh, we're going to talk about my experience playing Midnight Hunt for the past month and a half or so. Now, I'm not going to bury the lead. I love this set for Limited. If I had to boil out exactly what it is that scratches my itch, it's probably some combination of the variety of decks that you could feasibly draft, maybe not always successfully, but still draft, um, a lot, as well as an extremely deep gameplay decisions that you need to make in order to do well. Again, I don't always nail those gameplay decisions, but the fact that they were there um, and that I can see, oh, this is where I made that mistake, and I can understand where, when I lose why, um, and it was something like within my control, that's a lot better than you know the opponent kind of just coming in and dropping something that this oh wait there's no way I'm going to be able to deal with this. Um, I won't say again I'm not the best at either of those, but the fact that it's there has left for me something to strive for. And it's actually, you know, going to be the most drafted set in the history of this podcast. Um, other sets, you know, they've been about two months or so. This is a little bit, you know, in about a month, a uh, month and a half or so. And when I do these recap episodes, I'm about a month in usually. Um, so, you know, I will say, I, I will play some after that, that episode comes out, but in general, it hasn't been a lot. You know, so for example, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, I got through 34 drafts um, in the first month, but then I basically didn't draft at all after that. Um, Strixhaven, I was at 27 by the end of month one, but ended up uh, drafting about 31 by the end of the format. So only an additional four there, um, really because of the you know limited number of decks available. Really was Silver Quill or Teamer Ramp, basically. Um, and then Kaldheim um, is the first where I really started tracking on a consistent basis how many drafts I was completing. You know, I was at 22 drafts by the end of the first month, um, but I, I went on a fair bit, you know, another 15 or so by the end of the two months of the format uh, to get out to 37 total. For Midnight Hunt, I ended up doing about 50 drafts total in this first month and a half or so, uh, which is a new record for me personally. Uh, looking what I spent on the set, um, I actually ended up skipping out buying a box, and so that cast uh, that I would have spent on a box ended up going to buying bundles and gems, about 145, uh, which, you know, converted, not including the free gold I get from daily quests, about 15 free drafts, drafts or so. So it's not like I got this far only because I was spending cash on this. Um, like I said, it was a, a very visually, viscerally enjoyable experience to trying to draft a set, even when I ended up train wrecking a draft um, or making gameplay errors that would end my run. It was still fun and not frustrating, as opposed to M21, where I believe I only did about seven drafts um, before giving up. Um, so, you know, looking at these stats, right? So I have 50 drafts. I ended up going 141 wins and 147 losses for about a 48.96% win rate, a little bit below 50-50. That's actually pretty similar to what I did for Adventures in Forgotten Realms, um, but, you know, that is with an additional 16 drafts. Um, still a bit off from the 55% win rate I had at 18 drafts into Kaldheim. Um, and, you know, actually at one point recently, I was at 50-50 uh, with exactly 132 wins and losses, about 45, 45 four drafts or so but I ended up pushing for another 50 another five or so drafts to get to 50 which didn't go well I mean I was also doing it to try to finish out the mastery pass that I had purchased um, so figure I might as well do it through draft now, you know, I, I also added a few other stats for my own curiosity. I ended up calculating, you know, my average win rate at any point in time, as well as my 10 draft win rate and then a five draft win rate. So kind of the trailing, the most 10 recent drafts and the most five recent drafts. So 
the cumulative win rate, you know, I started off really high, right, naturally. My first job was a 5-3, so 62.5% win rate. Started, you know, going down, and, you know, about 15 drafts in a row is about at a 47% win rate. Um, got a couple of stinkers where I tried to force blue-black when it was, you know, the consensus best deck in the format, and then everyone was trying to draft it, so I couldn't get a good version of it. Um, but then, you know, I ended up getting up to plat- platinum or so in about, you know, seven drafts from 15, or so it was about my 22nd draft or so, um, which is, you know, I, oh, sorry, I had gotten to platinum within seven drafts because I'd started off in, uh, I believe, top of silver, so I got to gold really quickly and then got up to, to platinum fairly quickly, but I plateaued when I get to platinum. But then, you know, from draft 15 to draft 30, I actually, you know, uh, things clicked a little bit, right? I finally got a blue-black deck that I wasn't forcing, right? It's kind of like, all right, I'm going to be as open as possible. I just got stacked, hooked up with a crazy blue-black deck that ended up getting a 7-2, seven, seven I believe. Um, and I also got a white-green deck that went 7-1. Uh, in that 15 drafts. So, you know, from there, I was actually able to push the diamond for the first time ever in Limited on Arena. And my peak total win rate at this point was about 52.9%. Um, this was shortly after the rankings reset at the end of September going into October. So, again, this was about two weeks into the format, right? It launched on October, on September 16th. So, two weeks into the format, I got into diamond for the first time. I was already 30 drafts in, which is, you know, more than I would do for the entire, some, some like, for basically the entire runs for some other sets. Um, now, you know, I, I, it's about 53% higher, so I started to you know, degrade over time, but I didn't quite hit the same heights of, you know, 6Xs and, and 7Xs. Um, I started to explore more the red spell decks after reading about Ryan Sachs and what he was doing on Twitter um, with the red spells. I could never really get it to work fully, um, as successfully. And then I also, for some reason, was kind of felt myself being pushed into Simic uh, for a bit, which not, didn't go well at all. I actually didn't trophy or even get 6X with any of my Simic decks, um, which, looking back, actually, all the Simic decks we'll talk about later were actually Simic decks plus plastic, mostly for black for removal. Um, so you know, from from drafts thirty one to forty five, the third to fifteen drafts I did, I had six Simic decks and four Izzet decks. Um, my my win rate basically deprecated down to about fifty percent or so by the end. You know, as I said, about at draft forty five or so, and in the last five drafts, I basically went one three one three one three one three, closing out of the five three. So I'm not you know completely embarrassing myself, um, but that's where it is today, um, and that definitely created my my win rate at the end. That's my so this is my average win rate, you know, my total win rate for the entire format over time. Looking at kind of like the ten the, the ten most recent drafts at any one point, starting from draft ten onwards, you know, um, as well as my five. Actually, we'll look at my five most recent drafts. Look at that average, the trailing five draft average. Um, you know, when I got to diamond, um, my, it, the, when I got to diamond, that was the peak. Um, you know, about you know again about you know draft twenty five to draft thirty or so, um, where I had a sixty four point eight percent win rate, which is you know. A 6-3 draft, a 7-1 draft, a 5-3 draft, a 1-3 draft, and another 5-3 draft. Now, aside of that last, you know, that last five drafts of 1-3, which was about a 21% win rate, my other low point in the format was, you know, when I was doing those five, like, I did four out of my five drafts, being Simic Splashing Black for about 40% win rate overall. Uh, I climbed up briefly up to 53% uh, before going down to my overall 50-50% win rate, um, you know, at toward the, about, um, about, about a, a draft 45 or so. 
Uh, for the tame day average, not quite as volatile naturally, but it follows a similar trend, right? Starting off strong, um, about 48% at draft 10 or so, dipping back down to 44% when I was trying to force blue black, you know, in the uh, in about draft 15 or so, and it was and it was overdrafted before, you know, climbing up the ladder to about 50% win rate as the ladder reset hitting diamonds, so about draft 30 or so, uh, before dropping down to 42%. Uh, then I recovered briefly to 48% again around that, uh, um, again around that uh, draft 45 or so before cratering down uh, to 41% as of the, the t 10 most recent drafts that I did. Now, the reason I'm able to go into so much detail here is that, one, I find it interesting, at least for me. Also, I want to see, you know, so at what point I'm probably forcing the drafts to the detriment of my win rate, right? Um, these last five deaths definitely I felt more extraneous. Again, I was doing it mostly for the mastery pass and mostly to say, oh, I finally got to 50 drafts in the format. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not uncommon early on in the format for win rates to be relatively high if you're good at figuring out the format, um, right? So, you know, if you're able to figure out before everyone else that, you know, blue-black was able to, you know, be really good, then you were able to take advantage of that against, especially, you know, the people early on in the format who... Maybe we'll do a couple of drafts, but then stick to constructed mostly. Um, you know, if you're a limited specific person, right, um, you can probably feast in that early period. But then, you know, to, at some point, right, then they'll start to weigh enough, and then, okay, how how long is it? How long is it you trying? To, how long is it that you're letting the format mature, right? So at some point, for example, here, red spells became much more in vogue. You know, probably about a three weeks into the format or so, um, when Ryan Sachs started tweeting about it, and you know, people people caught on to that. And so, okay, if you were able to get, like, at, at some point, I feel it's basically settled at this point, where it's either red spell decks, blue, black, or, like, basically the Esper color decks with blue, white in there, so was, I can never get to work properly, um, you know, early on. And then green, white, as kind of, like, as a backup. So that's kind of, like, the consensus of where the format is at this point. Um, but, you know, there's still a lot of variation within that, right? Um, at some point, though, right, the people who are sticking around for, you know, at, at the end of this format right now, people who are really into limited, who are either spending gems like myself to uh, get into, um, to keep, in, keep on queuing, or they're that good that they're able to basically go infinite with, you know, a pretty decent win rate, much higher than mine. Um, and so, you know, at what point is... Am I basically forcing myself to play against the really best players? It's not really working for me. And also, at what point is that okay? You know, maybe I'm trying to get an edge, but at, at that point, all the edges have basically been figured out uh, within the format. Um, you know, I think for me, looking at all this data that I've collected, my indicator for future sets will probably be. You know, I think you know. Early on, I'm okay with a couple of O3s, right? That's basically me figuring out the format, me learning what works, what doesn't work, trying to experiment or so. That's probably like the first 20 is drafts or so, right? Um, at that point, though, once I start hitting an O3, uh, about after about 20 drafts or so, that's probably when I need to start calling it quit. That's probably when, okay, the people who are around at the point when I'm doing 20 drafts or so are probably people who are really limited, and I'm probably not going to really make much headway there. Um, and I'm not, you know, I, again, I'm not the best limited player. I don't have that that game sense, really. Um, so I'm really not going to be able to get better there, right? So I think for the sake of my gems and for the sake of, like, my win rate, I'm probably going to have to stop at when I, when I hit my first O3. Looking here, right, my first O3 was about after that first 20 drafts or so was at draft 44, um, and my overall win rate was about 50%. Uh, my 10 draft running average was about 48%, which was you know a relative high within that period. Um, and then my five draft average was at 51%, um, another local high. Um, the last six after draft 44 definitely was just okay. I just need to you know I, I'm pushing myself, but yeah, definitely I think I was kind of burnt out by that point. Um, even though I really did still enjoy it, it's like definitely going through the motions. 
All right, so you know, overall stats aside, let's look at the specific colors and and archetypes, right? Um, my first, my most drafted color was blue, with twenty six out of the uh, appearing in over half my drafts, athlete twenty six out of fifty drafts, followed by green at twenty two decks, black at eighteen decks, red at sixteen, and then white at fifteen decks. However, the win rates are a bit different than that order. Now, blue may be my most drafted, and it's you know considered by many be the best color in the format. But for me, I think it has my worst win rate at a forty five percent, sixty four games to seventy seven. Um, then in second place comes white, my least drafted at forty eight point two percent win rate with forty one wins and forty four losses. Um, going. Uh, up from there, red comes in with 46 wins, 48 losses for 48.9% win rate. Green, my second most drafted color, is dead even, 50, 50 wins, 50 losses, um, the second best win rate um, again also. And then black has the has the lone positive record with a 54 to 53 uh, record for 50.4% win rate. Uh, notably, this is main colors only. I'm not including splashes in this numbers. Now, interesting, people say, again, people are saying blue is the best color, but for for me, it's the worst. I think that may be because of my tendency to try to draft subpar decks with it. Um, you know, meanwhile, people say green may be the worst color, but it's my second best color. Um, I think the bad Simic decks that were drafting with blue um, were offset by my really strong green white decks. Um, the white everywhere else seemed to not really do it for me. Now, speaking of color pairs, you know, again, ignoring splashes, uh, Simic is my most drafted at eight drafts total, followed by red, uh, by is it blue red? Uh, Selesnia, green, white, and uh, Demir, blue, black, at seven drafts each. Uh, black, green, Golgari, white, blue, Azorius, and black, red, Rakdos come up next with five drafts each, uh, followed by red, green, being drafted only twice, as well as miscellaneous decks, so none, some that don't fit into the uh, specific color pairs. I'm thinking about a mono a monocolor red deck with, or or a deck that was basically white-based with either green, green, a blue-green version or blue-white version, so it tested out both, not doing well, so these are two decks. And then I did do white, black, and red, white, uh, but they were only once each. So all color pairs accounted for, though again to varying degrees of success. For example, within those you know one deck colors of of Orzov and Boros, um, I went zero and three with my sole black white deck um, for a win rate of zero percent, while my sole red white deck went fifty percent, um, fifty fifty three three. So you know looking within these tiers, right? So let's look at my most common ones, like seven th- seven deck. Deck colors that had seven to eight decks each. Uh, green white is my most successful deck, going twenty eight and twenty with a fifty eight percent win rate. Uh, followed by blue black at fifty four percent, twenty four to twenty. Um, meanwhile, blue red um, was seven was forty eight percent, and blue green was a forty four percent win rate. Now, among my color pairs with five decks each, black red was slightly positive, fifty one percent at sixteen to fifteen. Black green was slightly negative, fourteen to fifteen, um, and blue white was abysmally terrible at thirty four percent. Eight wins to fifteen losses. It's also worth noting that all colors uh, did get splashed at some point, though black was by far the most splashed. Again, going mostly into those Simic decks uh, for removal. Eight uh, uh, eight decks splashing for black total versus each other color getting only two decks splashing for each of them. Uh, and I had to again. I had those two weird decks. The the mono color, my mono red deck, which is my first draft of the format, actually, with five wins, and then uh, the one that was base white with either blue or green that only got two wins total. So that weird category has a combined win rate of about fifty three percent. So looking at my distribution of wins, I had two seven and X wins, three six three wins, three six three decks, eight five three decks, four four three decks, eight three three decks. 
eight two three decks, and in the whopping thirteen one three decks, um, thirteen one three, uh, and then four decks going zero oh, and three. Compared to past sets, not quite as great as in Kaldheim when I had three trophies and three six threes. Um, especially considering I had fewer drafts in Kaldheim at that point, but still better than Strixhaven with only one trophy and uh, three six win drafts, and then Adventures of the Forgotten Realms with three trophies but no six win drafts. So going into the specific decks, uh, specifically the ones that did really well for me, the six and seven win decks. So draft six was my first six and three, which was a pack one, pick one, Florian, Volder, and Science, that red, black, uh, vampire, um, noble. Um, mostly it's a straight up vampires deck with two arrogant outlaws, three famous foragers at four drops, uh, which was, you know, good given that my drop of three drops take advantage of their ability to make three mana. Um, and then also a morbid opportunist, plus, as well as a thermo alchemist in order to enable bloodthirst, as well as two perforators. Uh, looking back, I don't know why I was running fire festival crafts, right? I only had four spells in the decks. Probably should have put in that dreadhound in my sideboard instead. Maybe I was just really wanting to go super low to the ground. Uh, draft 20 was my first trophy, 7 and 2, which was pretty nuts. I had a blue-black deck, 3 Diagraph Hordes, I believe the one was my first pick, 3 Organ Hoarders, 2 Revenge of the Drowned, 2 Seed Zombies, and a Blades to Scarb and a Dreadhound. Looking at this deck, it's actually a 0 rare deck, which I think just shows how popper-centric this deck is and why it's generally good when it can come to, it should be able to come together more often uh, than not. Um, I followed that up with another 6-3 blue-black deck, Draft 24, uh, three Organ Hoarders, two Revenge of the Drowned, two Flip the Switches, uh, which is probably my favorite counterspell I've actually ever played uh, in Limited, uh, and then as well as a Ludovic as a rare and a Sludge Monster at my top end. Uh, this was immediately followed up with a 7-1 draft in draft 25. Um, a nice green-white uh, no, deck with a Catilda Dawnheart Prime uh, in the 2-drop slot. This deck, you know, I'm really sus of, of that Rite of Harmony that I ended up, I think, drafting pack 3 or so. Uh, and I put it in there, but, you know, it wasn't enough to keep this deck from uh, having some ridiculous starts with Catilda. Just putting a ton of counters everywhere. Um, my last 6-3 deck came in draft 30, another red-black number with a pack one, pick one, morbid opportunist, one of two that I had in the deck. Um, this one was 16 lanterns and all but two cards under three mana uh, with two Asadic Awakeners, two Midnight Ambassadors, and a Hungry for More, as well as a Festival Craster and a Caesar Torm with 10 spells in the deck. Now, a couple other interesting drafts in this format. Uh, my first draft, as I mentioned, was a mono-red deck that went 5-3. and three, 16 lands, running mostly 1-3 one, one to three drops. Um, looking back, it's pretty interesting. It actually looks like a prototype spell stack. Two Flames Crassers and a Thermal Alchemist, though it was, uh, I think, about 14-10 uh, in terms of creatures to, to spells. Um, you know... Now, the game that put me into Diamond uh, was another green-white deck uh, right after my 7-1 deck. Which, this one went only 5-3. and three. Well, There's only one where in the deck, though. It's a Sungled Sentinel. Um, that, did some, that did win some games, especially when I dropped a turn 2 versus a recursion-based deck. Uh, but largely, again, the sewing, the power here was mostly in the common and uncommons in the set and just drafting that curve. Now, while I had, you know, I didn't have much success with Blue Red overall, um, I did have a sweet version of it, you know, kind of toward the beginning of when I started to draft it pretty frequently, um, which I think is to blame for my addition of chasing that high. Um, you know, it was a 9-1 drop deck with two Delvers, a Light Light of the Night, and Lunar Frenzy in the 1-drop slot, uh, two Festival Classers, a Moonvale Reason Mythic at, at the 4-drop, and a Seize the Storm. Again, super low to the ground, super aggro, kind of my style of play. Um, so for drafting with preferences, as the you know, Lord's Limited tends to say, uh, this is definitely, I think, one that led me to, I just wanted to chase that high, and, and to my detriment, unfortunately.
Now, on the other hand, while I definitely can point to that deck as the reason I dra- tried, I overdrafted blue-red be, uh, more than my win rate would suggest I should have, um, I'm not really sure where the blue-green uh, you know, phase came in from. Uh, I think I got pack one, pick one, or it passed um, Slogurk the Ooze, you know, that, that, the 3-3 three, three for 3 that grows as lands enter the graveyard. Um, I was thinking a number of times, which is, I think was a trap, but I fell for it every time. Um, you know, I think I just... Another point of I drafted these decks, you know, drafting these engines that would, you know, be able to get a lot of the cards in the graveyard and recur them. But I ended up, unfortunately, I think, not really having win win conditions, even if I would go through my deck and recur a bunch of stuff. Like, you just didn't have the power to punch through and get the damage in overall, especially when, you know, the couple of soul threats like Slogan would end up getting removed. Now, looking back, again, I also had, you know, out of the, uh, I had, you know, only one out of the seven decks that were blue-green be base, be pure blue-green. Everything else was splashing for another color. Most of the time it was black. So, you know, first one was uh, splashing for a Dreadhound and a Lyrius Midnight Ambus. Um, another one was um, Siphon Insight, Infernal Grasp, and Eden Alive in another. Uh, I had Ludovic and Morbid Opportunist in the third. Uh, Siphon Insight in the fourth. Eden Alive, Infernal Grasp, and Diagraph Horde in the fifth. And then Old Stick Fingers in the sixth. In uh, a deck that had one in seven, which is pretty nice. Um, and I also had one splashing blue green, a uh, blue green deck splashing for white, uh, which is for Danic Pious Apprentice. Now, if I had to pick a deck for the format for me, I think I'm going to be a little counterintuitive and say green-white. Um, it's a bit of an unsung hero, in my opinion. So, you know, blue-black and maybe even blue-white are the objectively more powerful decks. Um, but I feel like, you know, at least blue-black was definitely way overdrafted. It was really difficult to get into black at some point in the format. Um, and then, you know, red red decks were just were pretty sick, um, especially when you got the spells version of them. But I think either I got on those a little bit late or I got into the pods where those were kind of known. Um, or, you know, I kind of built versions that were a little bit too risky, right? I ended up, you know, going balls to the walls with early aggro and didn't really have much of a late game or not or was a bit more conservative or vice versa. Um, probably more the former. Green right, you know, I, I did have one of my trophies, but even that aside, um, ignoring the last you know five drafts which I probably shouldn't have done, it's the only archetype where I actually drafted every deck I drafted went at least four and X um, overall winning, which is you know more than a couple of times. So I think that's a pretty uh, a testament to like it. it's at the very least consistent will help me get my gems back for what it's worth. Audible mention though goes to red black, which I couldn't get together that often, but um, I twice when I did it, it has two of my six threes. Um, I had one one two and three, which you know so I think that's a, that's a that was a difficult one to navigate the balance between you know vampire tribal with spells and if you get like a nuts spells based vampire deck that would be pretty pretty awesome but it, that that really came together um i will also say you know i i think i had a soft spot for green black early on in the format which didn't pan out um because of my uh, experience my pre-release with a pretty sick black green deck but anyway um green white might not have been the most powerful deck in the format but i think it was the most consistent um you know in the format that and i think in the format that's largely synergy based green white does have synergies right? it has coven but those wasn't the main thing, right? It had enough that it would be able to survive in a synergistic world, but it was also very much pure stats and, and being able to have good have good card evaluation skills. I think that's where I was able to come in and you know also being able to build a curve, right? A lot of, I think one of the most interesting things when drafting Green White was making sure so you had enough of the zero, one, and four power creatures, um, instead of just the two and threes that were the most common. 
Um, but you know, overall, it, it was hard to get bad cards in green white. Um, you know, I think this is the one where you know trying to be a little bit more aggressive, which is I think my preference for drafting, um, ended up being what I really what I was really good at, um, and 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 that worked out here. Now, the other, on the other hand, right? So for example, red blue, which we you know could be very aggro, right? Um, if you had the right deck, you know. Those were sometimes cases where the cards were okay, but they really needed to be in the cell of spells in order to to pay off, right? And so, you know, these relatively subpar cards, which would do well in the cell, I would end up drafting, but I ended up not completing the cell to the way it, to the degree it needed to be, right? And so, I think that case where pure synergy, if if a format I think is pure synergy, I think I'm not going to do as well because. I can sometimes mess up that synergy and that balance properly, right? Now, on the flip side, right, a, 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 a set like Adventures of the Forgotten Realms is just purely stats-based. That's, I think, a little bit boring to me, right? So I think somewhere in the middle where it's like a little bit of synergy but also a little bit of the stats evaluation. I think that's my sweet spot for a limited format, um, which I think is why green-white and I think is my, my preferred deck in this format here. But yeah, that's my Midnight Hunt draft experience. A lot of lessons to be learned for sure. Um, I don't know it's the, if it's the greatest draft format of all time objectively, but at least from a subjective perspective, I enjoy the spin out of, out of drafting it pretty much every day, honestly. It may be my favorite um, my favorite format, at least of the time since I started covering, this, covering stuff in this podcast. So here's the hoping that Crimson Vow can match up uh, for the rest of the year. Now, turning quickly to Constructed, you know, uh, when I would train wreck my drafts for the day and I needed to scrounge gold together, to, at least to the uh, at least to the four wins I wanted to do every day to keep up with the Mastery Pass, um, you know, I, I ran out of one of two decks depending on the daily quest available. Uh, frankly, I think I was probably, I probably could have picked easier decks to, to try to do the, the best of one queue in um, because the meta was especially, I think, not kind to my decks. So I went with two of Saffron Olive from MTC Goldfish's decks um, from Against the Odds or at Brew or whichever one series it was. Um, one of them was this day one werewolves deck, right? And I mean, it's a werewolf deck, you know, werewolves were not great and limited, so I definitely want to be able to play them at least somewhat uh, in Constructed, right? So, you know, this is uh, his deck. I believe it has, like, you know, the the two-drop werewolf, that's the lore that can make mana, uh, the two-drop that... Um, that can you know destroy artifacts or enchantments. You have Tovalar. You have the three drop that can grant haste. Um, you have Arlen, um, and then you know you have uh, you know Moonrager Snass. You have uh, Renin Seven in the five drop slot, and you have Tovalar's Packmaster. I'm sorry, I'm missing. Oh, and also Moon Mist in the two drop slot as well. You know. I, I think this one, unfortunately, you know, did match up well against the feel of Is It Dragons. I think I mean like having a Renin Seven in place, you know, with the uh, with the with the um, the the tree folk peak, uh, creatures were, were tokens were pretty great because um, they would block the gold pan dragons. Um, but I think also the mon- and the mono green Eska chariots, you know, not the worst matchup, especially considering I had that two drop um, werewolf that were able to destroy it, right? But I think I just you know as the format went on and the decks became leaner and tighter, um, it became harder to, to steal more wins with this particular. It was great earlier on, I think, but definitely never really got definitely fell off toward the end there. Um, one, it was super satisfying. And then the other deck I played from Saffron Olive was, you know, Standard Delver, right? Which makes use of the, you know, definitely my style of deck. Again, a very glass cannony, very aggro, um, kind of like a synergistic combo slash aggro deck. Um, you know, blue-red makes sense. Um, when, you know, turn one Delver of Secrets and then, you know, basically try to have spells flip off the top in order to transform it to a 3-2 beater, you know, have the phoenix egg that, you know, or the dragon egg that, that turns into a dragon, have the, uh, you know, thermal alchemist as well, um, and just a bunch of, like, you know, cantropy type stuff in order to try to, you know, 
cast a bunch of spells and get through, and do a bunch of burning damage. Um, I don't think you know it, it, this one seemed promising when he played it on his video, but it never really came together for me. I I, I played it enough, obviously, um, and I don't know. Maybe maybe it just didn't match up well against what the rest of the format ended up had doing by the time I adopted it. So unfortunately, yeah, I don't think you know I. I don't think it was it was great. I think the reason I stuck with it was probably because you know it's a very aggro deck. I either win or I lose really quickly, and I can just hop back into the queue if I need to. Um, unfortunately, you know that basically means that my my win rate, my my um, ended up uh, constructed rating was about platinum uh, at the bottom of platinum. So it definitely didn't, didn't get up to uh, um, where I had in past formats. Um, but yeah, um, you know. It, you know, I I here's the hoping that my jank brew that some jank brew gets drafted up or in Crimson Valley can go the distance. Um, you know, and and it can lead to you know, quick wins on the ladder. Um, I will also say I did briefly try out Samonicon, you know, Salmon uh, Panharmonicon in Historic. Um, but you know, after that, after a bunch got added with Jumpstart Historic Horizons, um, unfortunately, I think the presence of Tybalt's Trickery uh in the, in the early on turned me off from that format. Um, even with my with my old standby of Storm, just because you know it was really unpleasant to get comboed out, um, you know, in the best of one queue pretty consistently. And so you know, even though Tybalt's Trickery has been banned in Historic since then, I haven't really gone back to try out the format. So we'll see if I end up going back there. I have a suspicion, maybe not this set, but in a couple of sets when ninjas come in, I might be trying to to do that either in standard or in historic we'll see uh, in any case, this podcast is now coming to its resolution. Let me know how you've been enjoying Midnight Hunt, both limited and in constructed. What are your hopes for Crimson Vow? Now you can let me know on Twitter at EtherVortexPod or via email at IntoTheEtherVortex at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Leave a review on any of those podcast stores or on Podchaser.com. Links in the show notes. Uh, my architect uh, with all my decklists is linked in the username NinjaBoy, boy with an I. Into and out to music from Kevin MacLeod at Incompetent. Editing production by Ninjoy Media. Next episode, it's November. It's you know time for weddings. It's wedding season, at least for the vampires. Crimson Vow is here. We'll see what new cards are coming out and that I'm going to be wanting to include and build into my decks. I have a feeling, you know, I, I just just early on, I'll just throw this one out there. Hall and Elena Partners just got previewed this weekend. Um, I think Gruel Friend or uh, Gruel Friends, you know, girlfriends, um, Gruel Friend girlfriends might you know end up being a deck that I might want to build. Um, if just to be a little bit cheeky. Um, anyway, until then, may your lens be plentiful, but not too plentiful. Full pass the turn.